Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. It's time for Come and Talk It with your host, Michael Cargill, brought to you by Texas Law Shield. Over the last decade, Michael has championed and supported the rights of law-abiding Texans to own and use firearms. He is the owner of Central Texas Gunworks, a veteran of the United States Army, and has achieved national exposure in such prestigious media outlets such as Forbes Magazine, Fox Business News, CNN Money, AOL, BBC World News, Huffington Post, and the New York Times. Cargill vigorously defends lawful gun ownership in this country without regard to party politics. And now, here's Michael Cargill. Good day, Austin, Texas, live music capital of the world. Let's praise the Lord and pass the ammunition. All right, so today we have the attorney for Sergeant, uh, U.S. Army Sergeant Daniel Perry. We have the attorney Clint Broden on the phone. Uh, we're going to talk to him about that case, what's going on, what happened with his client on that day on July 25th. I believe that's the date. We're going to talk about that. And also, there's some breaking news coming out of downtown Austin. We have pro-police uh, pro groups and anti-police groups that are actually clashing. We have some video clips of that. Some people just were arrested. We're going to show you those that just happened like literally one minute ago. All right, so let me go to the attorney for uh, Sergeant Daniel Perry. Uh, Clint, Clint, welcome to come, come and talk, sir. Thank you. Absolutely. And, and then I forget you to turn your audio down a little bit. Yeah. yeah. All right. Awesome. Uh, so, Clint, tell, tell us a little bit about your client and, you know, what's his background? Well, Sergeant Perry grew up in the uh, North Texas uh, Metroplex area, went to high school up here, was a uh, Eagle Scout uh, during his uh, high school years, worked for a little bit after high school, and then went and joined uh, about eight years ago the United States Army, uh, his been active duty army for the past eight years, has spent some time in Afghanistan, um, has a, won uh, several uh, army or military awards. Um, his family is, is up in the North Texas area and uh, in this area, at least in Texas, all his life. Oh, nice. Okay. All right. So he's been deployed overseas. And so is, he, is he married or single or... He's single. He's single? Okay, single soldier. All right, so it, it's tough, you know. It, it's tough being a soldier in the United States Army and, and, and trying to afford everything that you want to buy and all that stuff. So sometimes you got to get a side job. So apparently he was working in Austin. Tell us a little bit about that. Well, he was driving for Uber. Um, you know, there is – I've seen a lot of comments. Well, you know, if his family was in the North Texas area, why was he down in Austin that night? And the simple fact is that the uh, active duty military is limited uh, during their off days to 100 miles from the base in Killeen. Mm. So he couldn't go up to the North Texas area. Um, the Killeen area was not as profitable as the Austin area. Um, so Austin was the, is n the place he would normally go and drive when he was driving for Uber. So this idea that, that he 
chose Austin for some nefarious purpose is, is an absolute falsehood. Wow. Okay. And tell us a little bit about what happened on that day. I believe it was July 25th. Uh, so what happened on the day of the shooting? Well, he had been down there driving for Uber uh, most of the day. I think he got there down there about 11 a.m. to noon. Um, you know, we've produced uh, bank account records that shows he was paid for his driving by Uber that day. The police are in possession of his phone with the Uber app, so all that can be verified. Um, he drove most of the day. Uh, that evening, he had dropped somebody off uh, in the vicinity of the, the 4th and Congress. Um, and at some point after the drop-off, it receded to 4th and Congress, uh, not knowing that there were protests going on. And that's when he that's when he came about the protesters when he made that ride onto Congress. Um, shortly after making the right, and you can kind of see his car comes to a stop. First, he has to, you, you can't go from one right lane to the other. And I don't know whether it's construction or a bicycle lane, but there is some pylons on, on Congress. Uh, so when he makes that right, he has to immediately veer to the left and he comes to a stop. And that's when people surround his car. Uh, we've produced pictures of some of the damage done to his, his, the side of his car, the hood of his car, the windows of his car, uh, while the protesters, uh, surrounded it. At some point, uh, Mr. Uh, Mr. Foster approached the vehicle. Um, he was carrying the, the assault rifle and sort of at initially, um, you know, and this happened very quickly, uh, but initially uh, Sergeant Perry thought that, and that, that's one of the examples of some of the damage the protesters did to the car before you know, before I mean, the shooting went on, that's actually bullet holes that happened afterwards, and we can talk about that. But in any event, um, at some point, uh, Mr. Foster approached the car with his assault weapon. And, and at that point, Sergeant Perry wasn't sure whether he was law enforcement or not. He, quite frankly, he didn't expect to see somebody on the streets, non-law enforcement, carrying an AK-47. Um, and there was some motion for him to roll his window down. And as he was doing that, I guess it clicked to back. This was uh, one of the people engaging in the protest. Um, and at that point, you can see in the pictures, uh, Mr. Foster had his firearm at what's called the low ready position. I'm not military and I'm not a gun owner myself, but I, I've learned enough and the pictures support it that he has this assault rifle at the low ready position. And when he starts to, to raise it, Sergeant Perry has a very, very quick decision to make that I hope nobody and none of your callers ever have to make. But, you know, do I wait till he raises the rifle to 90 degrees and pray that he doesn't shoot me or do I protect myself? And his training kicked in and it was a split second decision. And he did, in fact, uh, fire at uh, Mr. Foster. And, you know, unfortunately, Mr. Foster uh, died as a result of that. Um, and once that happened, uh, somebody in the crowd began firing at the car, uh, Sergeant Perry's car, and that's some of the bullet holes you can see. Um, so Sergeant Perry certainly wasn't, couldn't stay there safely. And so he began to drive out at that, once the bullets started flying, naturally people began to, uh, to separate from the car and, and take safety. And so he was able to drive off. And as he was driving off, he called the police, uh, arranged to meet the police someplace. They told him to put his uh, firearm in his glove compartment, which he did, um, was met by police, accompanied the police to the police station, uh, fully cooperated with the police, uh, voluntarily, without a warrant or anything, gave them his phone, gave him his firearm, let them keep his car so they could examine that. 
And to this day, he continues to cooperate with the police. All right. So and and so th- all this happened on July 25th. And you're saying that uh, when he started, when he once he noticed that, you know, there was someone standing there with a, an AK-47, uh, did he have the gun, Sergeant Perry, did he have his firearm actually, you know, in a holster? Was it in a glove box? Was it in the center console? Where was it actually? My understanding, it was in the, the between the console and the driver's seat in the little vacant area there. All right. All right. So we're talking with the attorney for U.S. Sergeant Daniel Perry. We're talking about the Gary Foster shooting. We're talking about whether Sergeant Perry was justified or not justified. We listened to the attorney explain to us uh, Sergeant Perry's uh, side of the events and how that all unfolded on July 25th. We're talking about this. We're going to talk about more, going to get more into detail in this story. Also going to find out, was Sergeant Perry actually there on purpose to target the protesters? Did he happen to just be there? What's going on? We're going to get down to the to the meat of this. This is Michael Cargill, and you are listening to Come and Talk It. This is Brittany Glaze, and I get my global gun news from Michael Cargill on Come and Talk It. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Austin's Talk, 1370. Welcome back to Come and Talk It. And now here's Michael Cargill. All right, so we're talking with the attorney for Sergeant, U.S. Army Sergeant Daniel Perry, Clint Broden. And Clinton's telling us about his client and what happened on July 25th with the shooting with um, uh, Garrett Foster, who was actually participating in a Mike Rummers brigade protest against law enforcement. And so, Clint, you're telling us about your client, Daniel Perry, uh, Sergeant Daniel Perry, about what happened on that day. So he's a rideshare driver. Uh, he's driving downtown, just dropped off a passenger. He makes a right turn, I believe, onto Congress Avenue. And then all of a sudden, I'll let you take it from there. Well, as I said, it, once he makes that turn, he has to veer quickly to the left because of the pylons. And as I said, I'm not sure whether it was a bicycle lane or construction going on, but in any event, you can't make the full 90 degrees. Um, at that point, he is surrounded by a bunch of protesters. Um, and so right the, there, you're saying that they're actually, they start pounding or attacking his vehicle. Correct. All right. So, um, and, and, and talk a little bit. And talk to me about the damage and what type of damage and what did the protesters use? Well, some of them had bricks. You can see some brick 
chalk or brick dust on the, the windows where they scratch the windows, um, that, that damage you just, well, the damage you have up on the screen now, that's, that's damage to, I guess, where the, the car pieces come together by, by, I don't know whether that's hitting or kicking or, or what have you, but that's damage done by the uh, protesters. And this is before the shooting. Mm, interesting. Um, and that, that's what's important to know. So he is, a, he is there, surrounded. The only way he can go forward would be to run people over. Not so Clint, that's not Clint. You know, it's, uh, the people on social media are saying that your client was driving aggressive. Well, and that, you know, I was just to make, about to make that point. He, he wanted to run people over. People would have been run over. We know nobody went to the hospital that day. The reason he wasn't able to go forward and had to take the people bricking his car and kicking his car because he didn't want to go forward and run people over. Um, so the, the proof is in the pudding, so to speak. Had he wanted to run protesters over as this false narrative is being created, he obviously had the opportunity to do that when they surrounded his car, and he chose not to do that. He didn't want to run innocent protesters. Okay, but Clint, you know, they're saying that, look, your client was targeting protesters uh, and because of his social media posting and stuff like that. So was he targeting them or, or was he not because of what he's posted previously on social media? Well, you know, the social media posts, I think some of them are taken out of context. And actually now we have some of uh, Mr. Foster's social media posts coming in. But let's talk about uh, Sergeant Perry's for a minute, because they are taken out of context. They're talking. He's he's agreeing with President Trump about violent protests, and I think most of us can agree that violent protests are not the answer. Um, I fully support peaceful protests, and the important thing is Sergeant Perry does. He he's gone to work for the past eight years defending our Constitution, and part of that Constitution is the First Amendment uh, to peacefully protest. Mm. Um, you know, so this idea that that he was down there targeting protests, that he got a job with Uber a year ago to go down there on a particular day and target protesters, and then just by luck happened to come across the protester that was carrying the AK-47, who talked social media about shooting people he disagreed with, and talked that night about the people. You have to really, really have a a big belief in a conspiracy theory. Okay. That he put all this together. All right. And it all just happened. Now, uh, since he was a, a soldier and he would be punished under the Uniform Code of, Code of Military Justice, so do, do you think this is going to be tried with the district attorney in Travis County, or is he going to be punished, or there's a possibility of, of charges being brought up under the UCMJ since he's in the military? Well, I am not a military attorney, so if it ever comes to that, he, he would engage a military attorney to, to represent him. But the fact of the matter is, um, I, I think to any clear-minded person, this was, a, this was an act of self-defense when he was approached by somebody with an assault rifle, and that assault rifle was in the low-ready position and starting to raise. And I think any fair-minded person, I don't care what your political persuasion is, your gender, your, 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 your sexual orientation, your, your ethnicity, somebody raises an AK-47 in your direction, you were going to do what Sergeant Perry did if you had the means to do it. In other words, had a firearm, you're not going to wait until Sergeant Perry, until uh, uh, Garrett Foster gets that assault rifle to the 90 degree position and just hoping on a prayer and a wing that he doesn't fire at you. 
Right. And so, and, and I'm, I'm trying to put myself in his mindset, you know, because here you are, a soldier who's been deployed overseas. You're in your vehicle, you're working, and all of a sudden, you come across protesters. You see something like this. You look to your left. You see someone with the AK-47. You know, like you said, do you wait until you see the 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 barrel, the entire barrel, that, that hole? Do you wait until you see that and the flash, or do you, you know, protect yourself before that happens? Uh, so let me go to uh, the, the people here in the studio. They have some questions for you. Uh, yes, Clint. Yes. How did you come to represent Mr. Perry? Were you well, I don't already... like to get – go ahead. No, please, you. Oh, I mean, I don't like to get too much into the attorney-client privilege, um, but oh, okay. uh, th there was another lawyer that uh, the family was familiar with that, that recommended me, and that, that's how I got here. Okay. And then also some people are saying I'm, – I'm reading social media postings here. Uh, someone asked, uh, well, was, was your client illegally carrying since he was uh, working for a rideshare company? You address that? Well, there were there were two – no, he was not illegally carrying. He was carrying in, in violation of Uber's policy. He was unaware of the policy, and you know I, I've certainly not done an extensive study on it, but my guess is – a lot of Uber drivers, especially in, in carry states like Texas, uh, carry firearms to protect themselves. I mean, you're driving strangers. So, yes, he was in violation of, of Uber policy. Whether he'll work for Uber again is, is an issue, but um, he was not illegally carrying. Yeah, and, and, I, and I can answer that question because uh, we teach this, teach this in the License to Carry Handgun course. You know, your employer, uh, like uh, your vehicle, you know, let's say you're driving a company vehicle. It may be against the company policy to drive in that company vehicle that's owned by the company, even though his vehicle was not. But let's say the vehicle is owned by the company. Uh, you can actually legal, legally have a loaded handgun in that vehicle, but that company can fire you. They have a right to either cancel your contract or terminate you, but it's not against the law for you to have a gun in the vehicle. Correct. All right, so I just want to put that out there. All right, so... Uh, someone else says history has shown that protesters have killed drivers in the past. And you know, we've seen that, you know, like Reginald Denny in California, where when they had their protests in California, this, this man was yanked out of his truck and actually beat to a pulp by protesters. We see this time and time and again where, you know, people wind up in the middle of protests and yanked out of their vehicle and beat, you know, and actually almost killed by protesters. So the question is, you know, should you have a right to protect yourself? Uh, let me go to my people here in the audit in in the in the studio. Do you have a question? <clears throat> I think one way or the other, um, and I do wish your client the best, but I think this has ultimately sort of been a good thing because I think you know uh, whether this group is Antifa or BLM or some offshoot of that, I think that they have to know that people are going to ultimately retaliate when they when they bring guns to these supposed protests and you know i'll grant credence i, I think in austin it has been mostly um uh, peaceful and i kind of think this guy was larping more or less but you can't larp around with a loaded gun and expect not to get shot if you aim it at someone in my opinion all right and let me go to derek derek my co-host uh who's in uh fort worth texas derek what you got for us hold on one sec there we'll get you derek Gonna pull you into no this conversation. All right, Derek. So what you what you got for it, Clint? Uh, hey, Clint. This is a. Uh, sorry, I got my audio coming from an, another way. Um, I just have a question. If 
if he perceived Garrett to be a threat, why is it that he m rolled down his window to begin with? If I'm going, if I'm going to do harm to somebody with a with a firearm, uh, the one thing that I'm not going to do is ask them to roll down their window first. Uh, I would just shoot at them. So how can you justify that he's going? He is a threat whenever uh, he felt safe enough to roll down his window to begin with. All right, go ahead, Clint. You answer that question. All right, hold on just one second, Clint. We're having some little technical problems there. We're going to come back to you here in a second. All right, so, and then also, we have a lot of stuff that's going on downtown Austin. All right, so downtown Austin, there's, uh, man, you got two different organizations that are that are actually clashing. We're going to bring some audio and some video to that. But go ahead, and Clint, can you answer that question there for me? I I'm sorry, I didn't hear the question. Hey, go ahead, Derek, can you re- Okay, so what Derek was saying, Clint, was Derek asked that, hold on a sec here, let me go back to that audio, pull that for me real quick, Derek said, um, he asked why, why, uh, why, why did Perry, Daniel Perry roll safe. down his windows? If he felt threatened, he's he asked why, why did he roll down his window if he felt threatened? Yeah, so why did your client roll down the window in the first place? I mean, my understanding is that originally, as I said, you don't really expect to see peaceful protesters with assault rifles. So my understanding is originally he believed that he was some type of, of law enforcement. Mm. Um, he has the, you know, he has the one touch window. So if you, you know, if you touch the electric window, it goes all the way down. Um, so I think he was originally uh, rolling it down to, and there was some motion on the part of uh, Mr. Foster with his, with his assault rifle to kind of wiggling the rifle with an indication that he should roll it down. So I think at that point he, you know, it was originally when he first got there, pretty much. Um, and I thought, you know, I haven't went into too much depth with him, but my understanding is that he thought the Foster was originally law enforcement, and as he rolled it down and got a better look at Foster, I realized that in fact he was not, and he was one of the protesters. All right. So, all right, we're talking with uh, Clint Broden. He's the attorney for U.S. Army Sergeant Daniel Perry. And we're talking about the Gary Foster shooting. This is Michael Cargill, and you are listening to Come and Talking. Hello, this is Gerald Darty, and I'm the Precinct 3 County Commissioner here in Travis County. And you're listening to Come and Talking. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. 
Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Austin's Talk 1370. Welcome back to Come and Talk It. And now, here's Michael Cargill. All right, so we're back and we're talking with the uh, attorney for U.S. Army Sergeant Daniel Perry. We're talking with Clint Broden. Uh, he's the attorney, and we're talking about the Garrett Foster shooting. And, you know, we always, what it sounds like to me on social media, everyone's expecting the driver to be this perfect person, to do everything absolutely right and have no human responses and, you know, and not, not be human at all. We expect for him to be a robot and do the right thing, you know. And what kills me is that, you know, I want to talk also about the the guy that actually fires shots at the vehicle. Uh, Because to me, I think that person should be charged with deadly conduct. So I kind of want to get into, if I'm wrong, uh, let me know. Because I kind of want to get into when those shots were fired. Was the vehicle driving away? Was the vehicle still there? You know, I'm kind of curious about that you know if the vehicle is still there then maybe not you know but if the vehicle was driving away you know i want to talk about that um but what were you asking janai um oh i wasn't i was just because you live downtown yeah i i was living downtown and i was just commenting that for those people that have said he should not have turned down that street possibly right um I can attest to it. I, I lived downtown during some of the riots. I, I literally moved maybe two, three weeks ago because I was tired of it. But I lived down there, and I would never know when there was going to be people all over protesting all over the street. I could be getting leaving my building, and then all of a sudden I'm in the middle of a mob. Right. And I lived down there. So it it's completely easy for him to have been downtown driving and this was not a protest that was um where they got um the legal authority to do it so it it, it's really easy for him to have been driving downtown and taken a right turn or a left turn or whatever and not know that he was going in the middle of a protest. Right, and so totally Brian, Brian McDonald says on Facebook here, Daniel Perry was instigating a crowd that he knew would retaliate so he could execute one of them. You know, no. I don't know how you know someone else's mindset. No, yeah, exactly. How you know what's going in someone else's mind? Yeah. That's ridiculous. I mean, I was well, living go, down there. Go ahead, I mean, uh, Mr. If you, think about, oh, go ahead. if you think about the coincidence that they're asking you to believe, you're asking to believe, again, that, you know, he, he got this Uber job a year before, went down there that day, drove around all day, Uber passengers, waiting for the protest to come, um, figured out where the protests were, made that turn, and then he just happens, he just happens to come across the one guy there who's carrying an AK-47 who talked about police officers, just happens by coincidence to come along with that person. That person comes along when he makes that turn, so he has a justification to shoot. I mean, any fair-minded person realizes how absurd that all those coincidences have to be to come together. Right. It, it's yeah. just not possible. 
And every time you see the P word, we actually have to dump that. So just be careful of that. Right. And I, I know that, and I know that's what the that's what the guy said in this yeah. video. I know exactly what you're talking about. How about, about. kitty cat? There he goes. Yeah, cat. that works great. Oh Jesus! Yeah, we like we like the kitty cat. Oh, stop! <laughs> <laughs> okay, I've been warned. <laughs> okay, so, um, I do want to get back to, uh, um, Derek. Derek, I believe you had some questions, and we're gonna switch here to Derek. Derek, and then Clint will have to relay his question to you because I don't think you can hear him when he's talking. All right, go ahead, Derek. You had some questions for Clint. Uh, yeah. So, um, everybody makes it sound as if, um, he turned and there, he had no idea anything was going on. He'd made a right hand turn and then, oh my goodness, there's a bunch of protesters there. Well, if you look at the other Uber drivers dash cam video, uh, you can see that there are, uh, plenty of protesters in the intersection. They're all crossing the street. They're not one big group of people. They're dispersed out. So, if he had just looked up while still before making the right hand turn, it would have been very easy for him to know, oh, there's a bunch of protesters here. I should drive with extra caution to make sure I don't hit anybody or make them think I'm trying to hit them. So how do you square that up? OK. All right. So hold on just one second here. All right. So, Clint, uh, what what Derek is saying is, you know, look. You know, when he made that right turn, he should have seen the way they were all spread out in the road there, that he should have seen that people were walking across the road in the middle of the road. So he should have taken extra care to not, you know, come in contact with them at all. He should have stayed where he was, not made that right turn at all, uh, and should have just waited until everyone walked by. You know, so, you know, what's your answer to that? Well, I mean, he, you know, I don't know at what point he realized what was going on. And he does, you know, I, I've seen the, the video. He doesn't make or doesn't look like he's making a stop at that light when he when he makes the turn, mm -hmm. um, the right turn on red. But at that point, I mean, he's already committed. And as I said, mm -hmm. then he also not only does he have to make the turn that he's committed to, but he has to quickly veer to the left to avoid those pylons. And and shortly after that, he does stop. Mm. Um, and, you know, I haven't talked now, to some him people about say, it. Some people say that he actually hit the protester. He actually hit uh, the uh, Derek, uh, Garrett, Garrett Foster's um, uh, fiance, and he hit her wheelchair. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. I, I, I have not heard that. I haven't heard anybody that was hit. I heard Garrett Foster was allegedly pushing the wheelchair, and that's why he couldn't raise the gun. But the right. videos dispel that. Now, did your um, client I, did your client have a dash cam in his vehicle? He did not. Okay. All right. So I'm just curious about that. All right. Any questions in here? I don't have a question. I'll just add to. Um, uh, I'm not sure who had the other comment about uh, questioning when he turned. When, you, when you're going to court, you have to prove intent. Could we say maybe he was a distracted driver? Yes, but that's totally different than accusing him of, of maliciously intending to harm someone. There's a lot of distracted drivers. It's completely easy for him to have been. I've, I've lived there. I know that intersection like the back of my hand. It's completely easy for him to have been at that intersection, paying attention to input from his phone. He's an Uber driver. It's dark outside to have turned. You're, look, you're looking at directions. You're looking at directions. Going to yeah. your next pickup. Yeah, exactly. 
would I say, was he possibly a distracted driver? Yeah, probably, which that happens all the time. It's a frustration. But I he's have. supposed to be the perfect person. Yeah, but in terms of him, oh, he should have known not but to But a protester turn. who's blocking the roadway no, I, I committing disagree. a Class A misdemeanor. I could the see. Other, the other uh, Uber that was driving, that Uber is on the street. Is that Congress or is that Fourth? That... He was on Fourth turning onto Congress. Turning onto Congress. So the... Um... No, I think the we're other, talking about there was another Uber the, driver. Uh, yes. Oh, the other one. Oh, okay. Yeah, so that Uber driver was on Congress. Already right. driving he was up on the road. Congress so turning onto fourth. Right. So there are other cars that didn't know what that, was going on. What was going on. Exactly. That you and then you, you literally see people running out in the road telling this person to stop. Like they're a police officer directing traffic. Right. People, you cannot protest the police and act like the police. Exactly. <laughs> you yeah. know, that is a dumb. And then literally, these people were actually there because of the Mike Romo shooting. Mike Romo's was a guy, someone called 911. The police responded to the call. They surrounded this guy. This guy drives off. The police shoot him while he's driving off. And then you're telling me that this guy who's in the crowd, who's who's there with the protesters, the Mike Romas Brigade, shoots at a vehicle while he's driving away? And you're telling me this person should be charged with something? <laughs> and and honestly, and I need, I need someone to tell me from right or wrong. And Clint, tell me from right or wrong. You know, And I may be wrong. So tell me, you know, was... The guy that was with the protesters that shot at your client's vehicle, was this was this vehicle still there or was he driving away? I just need to get the details of that. You know, I honestly don't know the answer at this point. I mean, you know, I think at that point everything was happening so quickly. Um, so I don't know the answer to that question. All right, yeah, because to me, if he was driving away, then that person that's in the crowd with the protesters should be charged with deadly conduct. And I didn't know who he is. I didn't know who this medic is for this this. Pro, uh, this organization because you were reckless. You shot at a vehicle that was driving away that could have ricocheted. You should be charged with deadly conduct. That person hasn't been picked up? That person was questioned and they were let go. Okay. But they should be charged with deadly conduct. Mm. I, I agree. I mean, that that's the interesting thing. Sergeant Foster, uh, the Sergeant Perry shot in self-defense. This guy at, at best was shooting into a crowd to detain somebody that uh, just as easily gotten his license plate and reported it to police. Yeah. So, I mean, if you're talking about reckless, I think you've got to compare the two situations. Right. And then they, uh, they were literally there protesting because police did the exact same thing. You can't act like the cop and then you, you can't protest the cops and then act like the cops. I'm sorry. You can't do that. I think that's that. ultimately what they want. And I think that goes back to something Brett Weinstein had said in like 2017 or 2016, something like that, that these violent groups, um, you know, Antifa types, want role reversal ultimately. I mean, in the Chaz, it took them like what, like three weeks to kill an unarmed black kid in that, that little autonomous zone area. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't, uh, I'm not sure. Um, they're trying to fix anything. They just want to be the aggressors and to fill in the void. Right. And, and and you know what? Let me know if I'm right or wrong. You know what? Call me. Call me up and tell me if I'm right or I'm wrong. I'll listen to you. My call-in number is 512-543-2284. That's 512-543-2284. Give me a call. Let me know what you're feeling. What are your thoughts? How you, you know, what, what do you feel? What do you have to say? Because I love to know what you have to say. All right, so Clint, you know, uh, please let the people, uh, you know, in closing, you know, what would you like to say to the people about your client? Well, I, you know, I would like to say two things. Uh, one, this idea, and I want to, I want to make perfectly clear there is some uh, allegation coming around that he at- went down to. Uh, 
Mr. Foster's vigil and created some problems. It's absolutely false, and it's being spread by people with an agenda, and it's false for two reasons. One is, since the incident, he has been confined to base for his own safety, so it's not possible for him to have left. Mm. Two is this picture of him going around as a person with facial He's active duty military. He was not allowed to have facial hair. He has no facial hair. Um, so it's obviously people with an agenda are, are, are trying to, to stir the pot to make him look bad that he is so callous that he would go to the, to uh, Mr. Foster's vigil, which is absolutely false. Um, the picture on the left, the Twitter profile, was when he was not in the military, is my understanding. But I, I've seen him. He does not have any facial hair. I've seen him with my own two eyes. Um, so that's false. And two is, you know, the, the talk of, of uh, Sergeant Perry's social. I understand why people are talking about that. Um, some people are criticizing for taking it down. You know, we're starting to get information that uh, from uh, Mr. Foster's social media about him hoping that cops get blinded, shooting people that don't agree with him. Um, his social media has been taken down by his family and friends. Um, there is a uh, a fellow at George Washington University in Washington, D.C., who studies extremist groups, and she has went on record saying that uh, Mr. Foster is part of the Boogaloo Boys. And in fact, there was a vigil for uh, Mr. Foster in San Antonio recently where a Boogaloo Boy said he was part of the Boogaloo Boys. Whether that's true or not, I, I don't know, but we are certainly starting to hear that stuff. And I, I think you, you can paint people in, in different directions and depending on your agenda. And I think people that are trying to paint uh, Sergeant Perry by his uh, social media posts need to really think about Mr. Foster's social media posts and the organization, uh, whether he was really, in fact, a member of the Boogaloo Boys. All right. I want to thank you, Clinton Brody, for coming on and talking to us about what happened on that day, talking to us about your client, uh, U.S. Army Sergeant Daniel Perry. Uh, thank you very much, and I, I wish you luck, and, and hopefully you guys are successful. Thank you for having me. Absolutely, sir. All right, so that was uh, Clint Broden. He's the attorney for the U.S. Army Sergeant Daniel Perry. Uh, we're talking about that shooting that happened on July 25th. We come back from the break. We're going to talk about it a little more. This is Michael Cargill, and you are listening to Come and Talk. This is Coley on Noir, and you're listening to Come and Talk It with Michael Cargill. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. 
Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Talk 1370, the right choice. Welcome back to Come and Talk It. And now here's Michael Cargill. All right. So we're talking about the shooting downtown Austin. And right now, downtown Austin, you have pro-police. You have anti-police. And they're clashing together. Uh, so let's, man, let's get on the phone. Taylor Blunt. Taylor you only would come and talk and what's going on downtown Austin right now, Taylor. Uh, hello, Cargill. Well, I'm out in front of APD right now. We have about um, about 150 people out here in front, uh, numbering both sides. There's the counter-protesters and the pro-police protesters with American flags, uh, Blue Lives Matter flags. And, of course, we have the um, um, Blue Lives Don't Matter counter-protests, which is here, too, who are fighting with them and they're kind of right on top of each other they're just arguing at this point there hasn't been any violence but they have been up in each other's faces the whole time all right so there have been some arrests though some people it's, it's, it, there's a lot of clashing yeah. that's going on what's going on mm -hmm. the police seem to be coming out and directly targeting protesters on the um black lives matter side i've seen them arrest one girl for um sitting on the curb i believe she's a photographer and then I saw them come arrest two people across the street who weren't near the main body of the protest as well. And the police just, just seemed to be coming right out of the um, um, police department and then arresting people directly, pulling them back in. I've seen them tackle one person to the ground, and then they brought him into the station right after that. All right, so, all right, so you got a pro-police, you have anti-police, you're clashing together, it's going down. And this just started, like, literally within the last, like, 45 minutes. Yeah, it did. It uh, came on very fast. The, um, the bikers, they're called the WTFers. WTFers, the, I like that. Yeah, um, the Wind Therapy Freedom Riders, and they drove up on about, uh, looks to be about 60 motorcycles. Nice. Up, parked them right in front of uh, police headquarters, came oh, out, talked to the police, and then approached the uh, counter-protesters. I bet you these guys aren't playing. No, they seem very well and very ready to fight someone. Nice. That's what I'm talking about. Boy, I tell you, yeah. I need to... yeah you got, like, uh, pro-police. You got anti-police. It's going down, downtown Austin. This I'm going to what... go down there. You know what? I, you know what? Let's I... go down there, Mike. You want to go down there? Let's go down there. Let's Man, go... you know, I want to do a protest, too. I can walk topless downtown, too. <laughs> That's, you can. You can do topless. Uh, Zach, you want to go down there with us and we all go topless? Now, my, my topless might not produce the same effect. <laughs> my topless is going to be a little different. What do you think? Not too different. I don't think. <laughs> <laughs> like a oh, cup? my oh. goodness. Oh. oh. That wasn't nice. 
See? Hit him where it hurts. That's, that's not nice. All right, all right, so Taylor, you know, all right, so how many people have been arrested so far? Um, I have seen about five arrests. All on the um, anti-police side. Is it? Is it because now you're saying the and you're saying the anti-police side? Because the anti-police side, they seem to be a little more aggressive. Like looking at the video. Um, they about just as aggressive as the pro-police side. Are they? They seem to just be kind of in each other's face and talking at this point. Are they on the road? Are they? Are they standing in the street? Are anyone taken to the highway? Taken to the street? No, no one's gone into the street yet, and uh, the people arrested have been standing on the sidewalk. All right, so what have they done to get arrested? Are they attacking it's someone? It's unclear at this point. Unclear? Is it because you don't want to tell me? You know, I'm going to dig into this. You no, know I'm gonna poke I just and pry. don't know. Okay, just checking. Now, you know I'm going to poke and pry. Of course. I've, I've been looking, but it doesn't seem any clear reason they've been arrested yet since they've been on the sidewalk. All right, all right, all right, all right, all right, all right. So, all right, so and tell us, uh, the people that are, that are anti-police, is this the Mike Romo's brigade? Yes. It, it seems like some people are dispersing now. I don't know. They're all going home? Um, looks like they're just walking to the south side. Going to south, down the south side of Austin? Yeah. Okay. All right, so we'll come back to you if something goes on. We're going to keep this show going. We're going to go an extra 30 minutes. Uh, so we're going to come back to you. So you let us know if something goes on, if there's some video, something, something happens. You send that video to me so we can get it on the air because we're going to extend this show for another 30 minutes. All right. So but hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on, Taylor. I want to go to um, um, Derek. Derek, you got any questions for Taylor? He's downtown. Yeah. Austin. Did, well, first, Michael, did you forget my name? You know what? You know, Derek, <laughs> don't mistreat me like that. Uh, <laughs> Taylor, uh, is there any distinction as to, um, other than the fact that it's anti-police versus pro-police, um, I mean, are are the pro-police people doing exactly the same thing as the anti-police people are? Because that seems to insinuate that the only reason they're being arrested is because they're anti-police. Um, it seems like they're just kind of standing there. They have been getting in their face, arguing with them. I haven't seen any much well, physical contact between either side, so, so. Well, well, it's not illegal to get in somebody's face, as long as you don't touch them. Oh, uh, no, so, it isn't. That's hmm. about... I wonder why they're getting arrested. Doing. Yeah, I wonder that, too, and I've been trying to figure out, but no one seems to know exactly. Yeah, probably because probably because they're being aggressive. They don't know how to control themselves. They're, be. they're, be, they're being disorderly. Do you know what disorderly conduct is? If you use profanity out loud, you say those bad words I'm not supposed to say on the air, then you can be charged with disorderly conduct. It's the most tyrannical law in the books. That's but what it's, you mean But it is a law, though, whether you like it or oh, not. Oh, so what? Hang on, Michael. So if, if, if Congress legitimately bans AR-15s, AK-47s, all the so-called assault weapons, um, now I know that uh, the government holds the key to your livelihood because you have an FFL, um, but your personal stats, are you going to just per you know turn those in and comply? And then anybody that gets caught, be like, man, you should have just complied. Yeah, you should have just followed the law. Is that what I'm, you're going to do, Michael? I'm going to do what I've always done. What we've done in history is we we comply and then we fight. Hang on, that is not. I can comply what the and Patriots fight. The Patriots of 1776 did. I can comply. Compl I can comply and fight. Really? Yes. You can. Uh, how are you going to fight whenever you comply with turning in all your weapons? 
Oh, my goodness. You know what? I'm not turning all my weapons. You're going to turn in all your guns. I'm not turning in my guns. But oh, I'm, come I'm a, on. I will comply, then fight. Go ahead, Derek. Go, go ahead, Zach. You <laughs> got something say, to You would with. turn in your guns, Mike? I didn't say that. You said that. No, he said he would comply. Hey, what I'll comply, then I will fight. What with? He's saying he's not going to be truthful. He's not going to give his guns. He's just going to. Yeah, I didn't say I was oh. a truthful person. <laughs> oh, okay. I lie to my well, I lie to customers all day long. <laughs> <laughs> well, then maybe you I'm telling you right now. Ask my employees. They'll tell you. <laughs> Let me tell you right maybe now. You back the, the the just comply piece of advice because uh, compliance is uh, that that's what bootlickers do. But I love you, Mike. And I'm not saying oh my that goodness! I'm a bootlicker now. <laughs> no, no, Christian, no, bail me out here. I mean, I, I think, I think on some level, like yes, civil disobedience is good, um, as long as you keep it peaceful. But so far, we just haven't seen that, you know. And I think that, and I think reasonably, they're not peaceful, right? And I think reasonably, and it's really not the people on the pro police side that started it. You have these to begin priv- with. these privileged individuals that are downtown that can't control themselves. They're so privileged. <laughs> Now, would, would you say that um, the people behind the Boston Tea Party, as well as every other Tea Party that was along the East Coast during uh, the 1770s, would you say that that's peacefully protesting? It's destruction of property. And and of that, it's destruction of private property. Never mind that it was a uh, um, a monopoly that was being perpetuated and bailed out by the government at the time. But wouldn't you say that that is civil disobedience? That is not uh, – uh, that is not uh, – uh, what's, what's the word that I'm looking for? Peaceful. That is somewhat violent. What about tar and feathering your tax collectors, huh? Now, I know that the tar back then was not the same tar that we think of now that would cause third-degree burns, but uh, it wasn't comfortable. It was definitely the legal definition of assault, but yet they did that. And what about this? Should the, uh, should the, should the people that were killed at the Boston Massacre, should they have just uh, – that's what they get? Is, is that what y'all are going to say? That's what they get for throwing rocks at the cops? Because that's exactly what happened. Well, no one's saying that, but, but also it does depend uh, how big the rock you throw at mm. the cop is. I mean if you're going to kill them with that rock, yeah, I mean I think that – I think you're probably going to get shot, you know? Yeah, those – Okay. Don't, don't they're illegal. They're illegal ramifications for assaulting anybody let alone a cop but i'm a fighter you know i have no problems in in going into a bar you know leave my gun in the vehicle get into a little rough and tough and having a little fight sometimes sometimes you just gotta have a little fight all right we come back Derek. i'm gonna come back to you we're gonna let you finish that conversation because you started it. we're gonna finish it this is michael cargill and we're gonna go on for a nerdy 30 another 30 minutes you can listen to me come and talk it <laughs> Hey, this is AWR Hawkins, Breitbart News, and you're listening to Come and Talk It with Michael Cargill. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. 
Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. The right choice. Welcome back to Come and Talk It. And now here's Michael Cargill. That's right. We're back and we're talking about the shooting downtown. We're talking about what's happening in downtown Austin right now today. There's protesters. You have the pro police organizations and the anti-cops that are actually clashing together right outside the Austin Police Department in downtown Austin. And you know what, Paul Johnson, you're a wimp. Anytime you block me and I can't see your comments, you're a wimp. You know what? That's right. Unblock me so I can see what you got to say, because I got something to say back to you. That's right. I don't take it. I'll let you know what I think. You don't scare me. That's right. I see everyone replying to you, but I don't see what you're saying. So you know what? Unblock me so I can see what you got to say, because I got something to say back. Oh, boy. That's right. <laughs> That's right. I got something to say. And I want you to hear what I got to say. That's right. I'm your daddy. Don't you forget it. All right. So, Kristen. Kristen's like, I don't know. Yeah. What were they going on about? <laughs> about? There's just some, some ramblies complaining about these peaceful, these peaceful historical protests and these violent ones. But do we still have them on the line? or? Oh, oh yeah. Derek's there. Come on, Derek. What you got, Derek? Peaceful protesters? What? Um, now, not every protest uh, is violent. I've been to a not number every protest that is have peaceful. Been... Hey, I think most of the protests here in Austin have been peaceful, and I applaud them for that. I think I yeah. totally believe in police reform, and I just don't think that defunding the police is the way to go about it. You know, if you defund the police and they don't get the proper training, I mean, what do you think is going to happen? Proper training? Tell that to uh, t- uh, um, tell that to um, oh god, what's her name? Uh, the poor woman who was shot in her own home during a welfare check in Fort Worth. Um, Tatiana, what's her last name? Johnson, uh, Johnson or Jackson? I forget. Mm-hmm. Please forgive me. Uh, oh, you're she talking was, about the, yeah. They uh-huh. had they had police called to do a welfare check mm-hmm. uh, on her, and she was murdered in her own home at you know two three in the morning. Um, uh, I, I'm sure that cop went through all the same training that every other cop gets. Um, right, but how does defunding the police further impairing their training help that situation? Uh, well, you get rid of the fact that y- here's what you do: privatize the the police force. Okay, I know it sounds crazy. I get that, and I know many people, particularly conservatives, will be like, "Oh my God, you want you just want every, everybody to be awful." And you, you you don't want anybody to 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 have any accountability or anything like that. But here's the problem: law enforcement right now has no legal duty to protect you, none whatsoever. Now another thing is they have no fiduciary duty to you whatsoever to serve your best interest. They will fill out a report if your house gets robbed, and then they'll put it in some filing cabinet, and you'll never see your crap again. Uh, and, and the reason is because they have no vested interest in serving you. A private police force will have zero, zero ability to even justify 
brutalizing somebody that legitimately is their client, which would be you or maybe the anti-police protesters standing out of uh, APD right now getting arrested because of the fact that they're uh, anti-police um, and might have to do with the fact that they're minorities. I don't, I don't know. I'm not down there. Uh, but statistically speaking, they find themselves uh, – the victims of senseless arrests and and uh, violence at the hands of the state uh, far more than 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 whites do. But uh, I'll I'll dig I'll digress on that. Um, the cops do not have any whatsoever any duty uh, to care about your feelings, and so they 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 have they have no need to try and so let's actually get rid of work them for and then figure out a, a solution to that mess after you get rid of them or like what's the what's the solution that you're painting well i mean if it was up to me i would just uh, uh burn anarchy? the whole thing down and start over uh, well anarcho-capitalism more specifically but uh -huh. that's uh that's my own brand of things um the state first of all cannot exist without Wouldn't being anarcho capitalism like protect not protect but it would like you couldn't prevent slavery with anarcho-capitalism that just means capitalize Actually, on anything and everything no, no, no. Um, Anarcho-capitalism, capitalism by definition is a voluntarily voluntary exchange. So uh, there's no voluntary exchange in slavery. Um, but you know, I'll, I'll digress. We can get on a philosophical conversation during another show. Um, you want to talk about police? The problem with police is that they do not serve your best interests. They do not care about you as the individual. They do not care. If they, they don't even care to know the law, they will make up laws to enforce. And there is no law too trivial that they will not murder you to enforce it. What, what's your speaking, solution? I disagree with what, that. You, you keep blabbing about how bad the police are. Give me your solution because I. Privatize I, I, the police. I already said that. Privatize. So privatize the police. So how how will it be funded then? And how will. Uh, how will. So now it's a business. Okay, I understand that. That's my voluntary that, contracts. Voluntary contracts. So now the underserved are not going to be able to have representation. Um, well, keep in mind. Uh, keep in mind what? Would... What? Well, I was just about to finish my sentence. You cut me off. Well, because you've gone on and on, and every time you don't know where else to go, you say I digress, and it's really you don't know what the hell you're talking about. Really, it sounds like wow. it's going to end up in some so kind much of hate. Jim Crow. It's not hate. It's it's really I hate listening to ignorance over and over again. So tell Michael's me what your priceless. solution <laughs> is to the problem while you go on and on and on about the flaws of the police department. I want to hear solutions from you, not stupid nonsense about privatizing it because that's not a simple answer it's it more complex answer. than that you cannot just privatize it because oh <laughs> tell me your privatization plans tell me your privatization <laughs> plans genius let me ask uh, you this well, what business have you ever run what do you do um i actually am a business owner myself well what do you do Thanks. what kind of business um, I, I I have my own podcast that I have a business in. I used to work for Lone Star Gun Rights, which uh, I just resigned from that. I helped run that, but uh, you so know you, what? You're a, you're 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 a uh, uh, um. I'm a sole I'm a, sole uh, proprietor. You you're the only one, right? You, you have you ever no, run a no, payroll? Have... have you ever run a payroll? Yes, I have actually. Thank you very much. How many employees so, did you have? Uh, right, I twenty. Okay, so 
All right. So you've answered some. Now tell me how of, you're going to privatize with that homonym attacks. Why don't you let me answer your questions? Okay, go ahead. Okay? Sure. Tell me okay. how you're going to privatize it. Okay, there are many solutions out there. Capitalism always finds a way, but uh, I'll use. You uh, are right there. Mm -hmm. I will use Murray Rothbard's example. Uh, and if you haven't read any of his books, they're fantastic. They're okay, free from. Please uh, stop telling me things other than the answer. Give okay, me your so, plan. So just okay. Here's here's one way that it could work. Um, your homeowner's insurance, for instance. It would they would have a financial incentive to provide an enforcement mechanism to the property that they insure, correct? Including if you get your life insurance through them, they have a, a financial uh, motivation to protect your life. Um, okay, genius. So, Here's my first question for you. you Most of the underserved don't own property, so how are they going to be represented? There are voluntary contracts. If you and if you had an apartment complex, it could be uh, in the contract for the lease. We use this company to insure, or for your renter's insurance, it could be the same thing. What they about the people that are in Section Eight housing that don't have any income, hardly? What about well, them? Well, uh, one of the things that would help benefit all of that is uh, elimination of the extortion in the form of taxation. But um, oh God. also, right, I've had there would be. There would be private charities who would uh, ah. who would have a, an incentive to help the underprivileged who really could not afford uh, such protections, and they would help provide such protections. It's, I mean, charities are a wonderful thing, and the only reason that they're struggling right now so much is because of the fact that the government robs us of, you know, 30, 40 percent of the fruits of our labor in the form of income tax. They extort, you know, two and a half, three percent of an arbitrary value they assign to your property every year. Uh, they extort uh, a percentage of the goods that you buy. So you get rid of all of that. Guess what? You have a lot more cash to, to deal with, liquid cash that you can put towards other things and you can pick and choose. And the best part is because there would be competition, it would drive the costs down and drive this, the amount of the quality service up. That's how that works. Do you like capitalism? I, I am a I love capitalism, but what you okay, just said, so you know what it reminds me of? You know the song by John Lennon, Lennon Imagine? That's what it reminds uh, me that of. That was you, a very socialist and communist It song. reminds me of, <laughs> you have no concrete plan. All you're talking about is, is overhauling too many things that it's just not plausible. Mm. All right, so Paul Johnson, you unblocked me. I can at least see your comments now. Skip Davis, come on in here, Skip Davis. Hey, I'm right here, Michael. Good, What's, good afternoon. What, How y'all doing? Man, Skip, you missed the attorney... Uh, for Daniel Perry, he came on, he laid it all out to us. He told us exactly everything, what's going on. Man, he gave a good case. I'll give you just one question that I'm sure you guys failed to answer or failed to ask. Uh, produce the written order from the commander. Reduce the, produce the written order of the commander restricting this young gentleman, Sergeant Perry, to quarters or to base. You know that that's a grave um, restriction on liberty to do so in the military, and usually it's only done in uh, instances requiring good uh, morale and welfare or criminal charges within the uh, UCMJ system. Yeah, but you're, you're, you're uh, uh, NCO, a senior NCO, sergeant major, first sergeant can say, you know what, I want you to stay in, stay on base, you're not let leave this base, you can't leave. 
That is a suggestion. Right. That is not an order from a commander. Only a commander can restrict somebody to base. Only a commander, and only a commander in the grade of captain and above. Uh, captain might, as a commander, company commander, the lowest level of command. But as a good a soldier commander. that he is, as a good soldier he's, he is, he's going to listen to his sergeant major or his first sergeant, and he's going to comply. Listen, the question is, produce the order that Mr. Broden says that this gentleman is operating under. An order is a written document, not just a holler out. And if they've done something to restrict this gentleman's liberty in that fashion, I will guarantee you, and you should well know, that it will be written down. A full colonel, a lieutenant colonel, a captain, maybe even the post commander might have restricted him to barracks or restricted him to post. Remember, he's still getting separate rats. He's on an apartment off post. Um, so all of those things are, uh, are legal implications um, that, uh, that color – um, Mr. Broden's statement that this gentleman was ordered to remain on post. So you're saying he lives in an apartment. You're saying he lives in an apartment off post, and you're saying they're restricting him on post. Um, that's what Mr. Broden, uh, I, I believe, led everybody to believe with the interview that he gave to the uh, Telegraph or the Statesman or whoever, was that he did not leave post because he was ordered and restricted to post by order. I just say, well, good. That's great. Show me the order. All right. All right, hold on, Skip. We're going to come back to you because I want you to talk a little bit more about that. We're talking about, man, we're talking about everything. We're talking about the protests happening downtown Austin right now. You have pro-police group, anti-police groups that are clashing together right now. Also, we're talking about the shooting with the Garrett Foster. This is Michael Cargill, and you are listening to Come and Talk It. Yo, what's going on, guys? It's Jack Jones here, and I get my gun news from Michael Cargill on Come and Talk It. Talk 1370, the right choice. Welcome back to Come and Talk It. And now here's Michael Cargill. All right, so we're back and we're talking with Skip Davis. We're talking with uh, Derek. He's out of Fort Worth. Uh, Skip is an attorney here in Austin, Texas. We just finished talking with um, Clint Broden. He's the attorney for U.S. Army Sergeant Daniel Perry, and he laid everything out for us. Uh, and, you know, Skip asked the question is, what, you know, can he produce an order? Can he produce the order where he was ordered to stay on base and not leave the base? Let me tell you, Skip, honestly, when I was in the United States Army as a sergeant, a platoon sergeant, when I ordered my soldiers not to do something, they better do it. If they didn't, the reins of hell would come down on them. And I didn't play that. So when I was in the Army, when I tell you to do something, you did it. If you didn't did it, if you didn't do it, I'll put my foot in your three-pointed contact. That's your fourth point of contact. <laughs> your, head is, your head is your fourth point. All right. Uh, but, 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 but look, I commanded those companies of riflemen and the infantry. And as a commander, my order has the force of law. That is correct. You are correct. So that's – now, for somebody to say that he was ordered to remain on post and that that order was so powerful that he would not violate that order – 
I would put, I would just ask, we'll produce the order. Let's see what it says. And it, and it's just like in court. Hey, you don't, a judge ordered such and such. Okay, well, show it to me because I otherwise I hear your lips flapping. But just show me the order. But this is and, consistent. You know, this is consistent this, this with is, what this is. This, this is such a significant transaction in the military's uh, in the military structure there at Fort Ord. This is a significant act. This is a significant act. He's actually subject, I think, to uh, UCMJ, even. For his deed in Austin, for for whatever happened in Austin, but it's consistent so with they, with they with this good, soldier. They have a good basis to they have a good basis to to restrict them for good order and discipline of the of the unit. I understand that, but to do that, you have to have an order. He's an outstanding yeah. soldier, and he's doing exactly what he's yeah, supposed he's to a, do. His 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 sergeant, his NCO, his senior NCO said, "Hey, I want you to stay on base. Don't leave." Or maybe his nah, captain, maybe his captain, maybe the first sergeant brought him before the commander, and the commander said, "Hey, I order you to stay on base." That's a possibility. For, Doesn't have to be anything in writing, unless he's bringing well, he's being brought under the Uniform Court of Military Justice. Well, then just have the have the first sergeant give us a call. That's it's it's really easily solved. It doesn't take much. And so far, it's everything it's this it's attorney has said has been true. Well, we don't know that. He says he's got eyewitnesses. Nobody's produced an eyewitness statement that said that that shows that the, or that's a, nobody's just all these phantom witnesses haven't been produced. Mm-hmm. So the witnesses that we do have, including the guy that's a cappuccino or whatever the gentleman's name, I'm sorry, not cappuccino, the gentleman who was on your show two weeks ago, not last week, but two weeks ago, he was an eyewitness and said it didn't happen. Mm-hmm. There was no pointing of the weapon. Yeah, but then when you so, asked him the day of, he was like, I was like, what happened? Uh, I don't know. What Did you see anything? I don't know. Did you see anything? I don't know. And all of a sudden, he started remembering stuff. Well, that's common with witnesses uh, who've been subject to trauma. We call that PTSD. You we know, call that not reliable witness. Well, you get what's called a, if a, if a tort occurs and you're standing near it, um, that's PTSD. And if you're related to that person, um, you get what's called bystander damages. So, but that's a whole different other. And why is this so? Let, and let and share, Thomas Harrison share. says, why is this so important that he is restricted to base? Why is this, why is this even the point? Well, it strikes me that Mr. Broden raised that because somebody here in Austin. Uh, indicated that they saw the gentleman the day after the shooting or quickly thereafter at the vigil site um, where the uh, uh, where the Black Lives Matters protesters and friends of the deceased had, had set up a shrine. Well, we already proved that that's not true because Mr. Broden is in the uh, – I mean, Mr. Uh, Perry is actually a soldier in the United States Army, does not have a mustache or a goatee. I don't know any of this. I'm just telling what the what what the as as a soldier as a soldier he can't have a you 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 know as a commander you know as someone being in the army you know he can't have a a a a face facial hair like that. Come on. Well, he can. Like I said, I don't know. I haven't seen the photograph. I only know, but but. But we also know. Come on, you come on, stop playing. You know, as a soldier, he can't have facial hair like that. That's not true at all. You can so you're telling me you're telling me he you grew this facial hair in two days? You can have a mustache as bushy as you want. In two you days. In two days. You, I don't know what he did over the weekend, my brother. I don't know. Uh, so I'm just, if it doesn't fit, you must acquit. Oh, boy. <laughs> if it doesn't you fit, you must acquit. I'm not prosecuting. <laughs> I'm not doing nothing. You ask me a question about what do I think about this order for him being ordered to base. I said, well, produce it. 
You ask me, what, why is it important? Well, because somebody said that they saw him. There are several witnesses that said that they've seen him down there. All right, Do so all right, so we saw him downtown. That, that, he grew he grew that much hair in a very few days. <laughs> I got I you. Go ahead. Hair, I don't know how much hair he grew. I, like I said, I've not seen the pictures, and I didn't talk to the witnesses. Okay. But I did want to address something that your other your other that your other uh, uh, visitor uh, on the telephone was talking about the private police forces. That's nothing new in America. Remember, the Pinkertons were the very first private police force in, in America, and they were uh, incorporated and absorbed into the structure that we now call the, 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 the federal system, the federal marshals. Mm -hmm. But privateers protecting private property is, is, is not new. Now, the young lady there had some very good points that she raised um, if we're going to privatize police forces to that extent. I think a police force could be privatized in the same way that prisons are privatized, but not down to the individual household level. Um, but you know, I haven't studied it closely enough to really render much of an opinion. All but right. it strikes me that we've already seen, we've already got the model out there. Um, it wasn't so so successful, um, but it was great for protecting your own, you know, your own property because you know you had well, to pay for it. Well, state to state, county to county. I mean, I think on some level you want those things to be, you know like regulated i mean because that to me that just sounds like it's going to breed racism or you know i mean if the police are completely privatized you know who's keeping them from you know uh protecting uh all people under one blanket and not just subgroups but That's, isn't that the point what's that i think isn't that the point of the privatization of your privatization plan as i heard you discussing with the young lady that it struck me that um, at least her. No, that wasn't me making the. That wasn't me that. making the point. That was uh, that was Derek. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm, sorry. I'm asking. Um, I think you want some regulation uh, on like a you know like a federal level uh, or a national level rather that you have you, and that's what we're trying to fix here because some people think that the police don't protect people equally under one umbrella. But with private police, I think that you're just going to create more factions that are likely to, you know, create rules or break rules uh, in which they don't have to protect people because maybe, you know, maybe they don't like blacks or gays. I think you have a tribalism problem because you'll have too many quote, factions of different competing police. Right. Forces. That's exactly. that's what I'm, that's I, what I'm talking I about. That's agree. why I think it's a yeah. poor idea. It is a poor idea. Like it is uh, it, the way that he the, the way that he described it, it was not something that I would endorse. But, hell, we're in a COVID year. There's no telling what's coming up. <laughs> <laughs> they, they announced aliens and no one cares. I mean. <laughs> All right, Derek, what you got, Derek? Go ahead. We, we're getting ready to close out here. Oh, I would just I was just going to say that the market is what uh, actually would determine what is morally acceptable for a, a, a police force to uh, to enforce in their certain ways. So if one company wants to be discriminatory, uh, chances are nobody will want to be part of them if they or uh, be their clients. And those few idiots who will um, won't be enough to sustain that enforcement agency long enough to uh, survive going bankrupt within a matter of weeks. So, what if you live in a segregated uh, community where one group makes more than the other, and so you're just you're you're gonna oppress one part of the community? All right, hold that thought. That hold that thought. We got to continue this conversation next week. Do you know that if an actor abandons the encounter and clearly communicates to the other his intent to do so, reason believing he cannot safely abandon the encounter, that you can use force, a deadly force, to stop that person? 
I want you to think about what that means. We're going to talk about that when we come back next week. As always, more guns equals less crime. You go out there and you buy yourself a gun. You've been listening to Come and Talk It with Michael Cargill. I'll take my life, my liberty, my pursuit of happiness. Just let me be. I'll take my guns, my home on the range. I'll take my Bible. You can keep your change. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.